past, present and future cultural heritage beliefs and relationships to the land. SACPA is also very thankful for the continuing support we receive from the University of Lethbridge, Shaw Spotlight and the Lethbridge Herald. Today, we're very happy to welcome Najib Mangal uh, from um, uh, Immigrant Services of Lethbridge. Najib Mangal is the manager of community connections and employment programs at Immigrant Services of Lethbridge Family Services. He's an accredited settlement practitioner with 15 years of experience in settlement and integration of newcomers into Lethbridge. He graduated with a degree in information technology in 2006 from the Lethbridge College and recently completed his immigration consultancy program through the Canadian Society of Immigration Consultancies. Thank you so much, Najib, for joining us today, and we very much look forward to your talk. Thank you, Annalise. Uh, I appreciate the introduction and appreciate the land acknowledgement. Um, as the analyst said, my name is Najib and I work for Ledbridge Family Services, the Immigrant Services uh, Department. Uh, we're a not-for-profit agency um, um, funded by IRCC to deliver settlement services to primarily, uh, I would say, 70% of our clientele are refugees. So we're going to be talking about refugees a lot, but generally we'll cover all the topics today. Um, uh, of immigration, different categories. Um, again, uh, thank you for the invitation and the opportunity to speak about the topics of immigration, specifically on recent uh, responsible increase uh, to the immigration, discuss different types of uh, immigration categories, and of course, shed some lights on the issues of uh, myths and, and, and stereotyping of newcomers in and uh, lastly, if we have time, we will touch base on the challenges of uh, challenges our newcomers uh, were faced or still facing during this uh, unprecedented time during COVID pandemic. Uh, so uh, today's topics uh, for this uh, discussion or uh, info sessions are um, I was asked to talk about the uh, the recent increase in immigration uh, level plan uh, 2021. But to get to that point, to understand that uh, immigration level plan or uh, immigration um, um, plan in the future, it is important to actually uh, shed some lights on immigration in different categories itself so we have a better understanding, better knowledge uh, of, of uh, of our immigration system totally. Uh, so we'll just uh, touch base on refugees and immigrants. Uh, that's uh, immigrants and refugees, uh, the terms are interchangeably used. And so we'll just discuss that and to define what they are and what, uh, what they mean. Uh, some facts and some myths about immigration. And of course, overall the immigration system, how the immigration system itself is set up in Canada and how does it work. Um, and of course, we will, uh, during this entire session, we will be uh, focusing a little more on the refugee stream, which is the smallest uh, number of newcomers that are coming to the country. Uh, of course, we'll just go into um, um, 
elaborate on the immigration level plan and explain as to where that increase is happening and what that increase means um, for the future of immigration and, of course, our economy and our society. And uh, if we have time, um, we'll talk about the impact of COVID-19, of course, um, as well. So next, um, uh, we will... um, we will t- we'll chat about the uh, immigration terms as I as I promised that uh, uh, we'll we'll explain those terms. Uh, as you know, each year Canada receives uh, tens of thousands of immigrants uh, from all over the world. Uh, the country welcomes foreign students, um, temporary foreign workers, uh, immigrants, and refugees from over uh, two hundred different countries. And so, um, being in the sector for uh, 15 years, um, um, or if you are on social media, people that uh, they they misunderstand or um, th- th- those terms and they kind of interchangeably use it. Uh, uh, so, uh, let's define them as to uh, who is a newcomer. Um, newcomers are immigrants or refugees who have been in Canada for a short period of time, usually between three to five years. Uh, Newcomers have access to a lot of services at the settlement agency like ours, uh, to the language uh, uh, services in other settlement, basic settlement services. Uh, What are immigrants? Immigrants or permanent residents? So this term goes together, uh, immigrants and permanent residents. So an immigrant is someone who has moved from their country of origin or their homeland to another country, for example, Canada, to become a citizen of that country if they wish to do so. Uh, Just visiting Canada, even working for a few months, does not make you uh, an immigrant. Um, Immigrants are people who live permanently or they're PR uh, somewhere uh, other than their, their homeland. So that's a permanent residence. So most of the newcomers that are entering the country through different uh, stream or categories of immigration, they are, um, of course, they're newcomers, they're new, but they're immigrants, and that means they're permanent residents. So they receive their permanent residency here. And this uh, sensitive topic or terms is always used, refugees. And who are refugees? Uh, refugees are people uh, needing protection, uh, of course, um, or or escaping. Um, actually, I will ask um, um, analysts to just go to our next slide that explains it a little bit better, and then we'll come back to the the sl- third slide. So, refugees uh, are. One second, I I might go to my slide as well that way so I can see. So refugees uh, uh, or people in need of protection are people escaping being persecuted in their homeland. This means that they are, um, if they stay or return to their homeland, they will be at risk of torture, killed, suffer cruelty treatment, uh, cruel treatment, or worse, Refugee seeks protection in safe countries such as Canada. So uh, why they're getting persecuted? They get persecuted because they are believed they're from a different race. Um, 
they believe in a different religion, nationality, or they belong to a different political party, or their uh, uh, gender or sex sexual identity, or identified as a different gender or sexual identity, um, or member of particular particular social groups. So, um, these refugees are to to a lot of people. They're um, it, it could be anyone, uh, people of any class, uh, low, moderate, or low income class in any countries. So if you belong to a political party or you are um, or a member of a particular social group, uh, and if you don't agree with the uh, ideology of the regime or a group, then then you have to flee to 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 safety. Now, if you can go back to our slide three, Immigration categories, um, uh, now that we know who are newcomers and, and um, who are, my apologies, I thought I turned off my phone. <laughs> so I'll just turn it off one more time. So immigrants, they do not come under one categories into the country. They come under different categories. Of course, we will be uh, elaborating on that uh, in, the, in our uh, plan uh, for 2021 and 2023 refugee uh, settlement plan. Uh, so we and we welcome. Um, hundreds of thousands. So I'll just kind of give you a bold picture at this time, and we'll just elaborate later. Um, we welcome between 300 and 350,000 newcomers every year. And the primary focus is, of course, federal skilled workers in, in business class. So these are individuals that are uh, contributing to the economy uh, and the growth of our country. So as you see, immigration categories, um, federal skilled worker, family class, business class, provincial nominee, and of course, refugees, which is the small amount of, um, of newcomers, uh, very small amount from those 300,000. We, um, we will explain that. So if we go to slide five, and so... <laughs> In slide five, you will uh, see that we get this question, being in the sector for many years, I get this question a lot. And uh, we, we are asked, do immigrants add value to the economy uh, or are they a burden on our society? The, or, the, or they burden the society they join? Uh, well, as I, as I mentioned, I will be talking about refugees a lot um, because that, that's, uh, that's my... Uh, that's my passion, and and it's that's where I get my fuel and and and, and drive from to to assist people. Um, we are uh, as a founder of um, a founding member of UN. We have international obligation to assist refugees, and so our uh, minister of immigration put it in a best perspective, and he said our our government believed that that newcomers play a vital role in our society. Five million Canadians are set to retire by 2035, and we have fewer people working to support the seniors and retirees. That was our previous minister. And so we will, we will kind of uh, chat about this for a few seconds, and we will move on. So next slide will explain that 
immigrants and refugees, why are they coming? So that's one of the, the reasons. So it's not the only reason, but one of the reasons. Um, so one, to offset the aging demographics. So um, Statistic Canada um, shows that in 1971, there were 6.6 uh, people of working age for each senior. In 2012, that ratio has gone to two, uh, 4.2 to 1. And um, by 2036, that's going to go to 2 to 1. So um, if we are um, not producing um, um, enough uh, children, I would say, our population is plateaued. Um, so how do we offset that? So almost 100% of population growth will be a result of immigration. Um, it stands at this time about 75% of our growth, population growth, happens because of immigration. Um, Immigration, as, as the minister said earlier, immigration is the only and great tool for economic growth, skill shortage, labor mark, uh, uh, mark challenges, and demographic challenges. So uh, I, I do not believe that immigration will cease the next uh, decade or two. Um, uh, we are a land of uh, uh, immigrants. Um, it's, it's immigration is not new. We're not new to the immigration either. And uh, so in the next slide, I'll just give you a little bit of fact back again about refugees. Um, so um, this, this statistic, so this number was based on uh, uh, stats of 2015. Uh, the total... Um, at the end of 2015, uh, number of refugee uh, was reached to 65.3 million, or one um, one out of every 13 person on this earth, and so that is 65 million. Um, that's twice the population, of, almost twice the population of Canada. Um, so. How many refugees do we receive every year uh, in Canada? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Average number of refugees every year uh, to Canada is 25,000. And off of this 25,000, 7,500 of those refugees are government-assisted refugees. So if you remember, I, I spoke about uh, 300 something thousand, and that will be increased to 400,000 newcomers coming through um, in Canada every year. Only 7,500 of those refugees are government-assisted refugees. Uh, the remaining number of refugees are um, sponsored refugees, individuals like you and I, or organization, or spiritual communities, they will be um, um, sponsoring um, those refugees to, to um, uh, and they are, are, of course, responsible to cover uh, the food, shelter, incidental, and until they are uh, off their feet. Um, and next slide, uh, the refugee system in Canada. How is the refugee system set up in Canada? In um, the Canadian refugee policy is driven by humanitarian values of compassion and fairness. 
As uh, one of the world's most privileged nations, Canada sees it's its moral obligation to offer protection to those in need. Viewing refugee settlement as an integral part of its responsibility within the international community. So we just don't decide to to bring refugees or invite refugees, but we have an obligation, international obligation, as uh, as we mentioned earlier. Um, <clears throat> the today's topics are. Uh, very broad and we're kind of touching the the tip of the iceberg in each different topics i have been only given half an hour so i will try to cover as much as i can and 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 this presentation is jam-packed with different topics so we're going to be jumping back and forth so in the next slide uh, let's talk about let's talk about why not talk about the uh, uh, which is uh, slide nine uh, multiculturalism myths and facts and so this will answer some of our questions and mainly questions that I received uh, received from friends, family, colleagues, not colleagues, I apologize, but friends and family. So here's the question. So I'll just quickly go through it so we can, um, multiculturalism is only about giving special rights to the minority. Multiculturalism is about different cultural groups working together to understand each other points of view it is not only the minorities it means that everyone is treated equal equitably when everyone is treated equally uh, it helps the entire community so it's not about this group that group we're all coming from a different group somewhere somehow at some point multiculturalism allow people to follow uh, the law and rules of their own culture <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> Uh, instead of the uh, Canadian laws. Uh, my apologies, one second. <clears throat> Canadian law applies to everyone. There's no special treatment or you get exceptions of, of, of exemption of any kind. All newcomers are expected to fully uh, abide by the Canadian laws and Canadian laws uh, um, uh, that are applying to everyone. Uh, next myth. Multiculturalism means different cultural groups, uh, cultural groups uh, will stick together and not mix with other Canadian, um, other Canadians. Incorrect. Uh, it can be difficult to adjust to a new culture and language, of course, at first when you first arrive. But welcoming community makes that e that process way easier. And uh, uh, when people stick together, it is uh, due to the language barrier, lack of opportunity or discrimination. Um, how do we break down those barriers and how do we promote cultural harmony? And so that's in our hands. It's not, it, it, it depends on how we welcome those newcomers. Multiculturalism is only relevant in big cities when every, uh, with very diverse population. Multiculturalism is relevant everywhere, uh, just as an important uh, to learn about your own culture. It is important to, to learn about other cultures as well. And so uh, for the sake of time, we'll just continue to the next slide uh, because uh, the, those, those are there. Uh, and so how is the immigration uh, system set up. So this, this, this system applies to everyone, uh, any immigrants that are coming to the countries, but we'll just uh, talk about the refugee stream itself. So who identifies them as refugee? Uh, well, of course, first the country of asylums uh, that they have uh, seeking asylums in. So they will be um, um, 
they will be identified by the the country as a refugee and then of course from there they will be referred to united Nations high commissioner for refugees and then of course uh, immigration refugee citizenship canada and then uh, of course they will be distant to us directly and so i will explain to you what happens during this process next slide will show the screening process it's not that easy to come to canada you just don't um uh, get get a ticket uh, going on a holiday or, or of some kind no it, it doesn't happen it's it's a multi-process uh, uh multi-step process so uh, at least you have to go at least through three interview and you have to give your biometrics, uh, your fingers, uh, and uh, they will um, check few uh, different intelligence and law enforcement agencies database to see that you have no criminality. You have to provide your medical screening test and you have to have valid documentation before you come to Canada. And the process could take between one month to four years. Uh, I'm an immigrant, uh, and I came in in 2001. Um, it took me four years uh, to 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 come to this country. So now let's go. Um, uh, we will go to the next screen, and here we will be chatting about the uh, immigration level plans uh, for the next few years. Uh, so this will give you a better idea of how many newcomers will be coming to this country. So. Um, in October of uh, October 30th, uh, 2020, IRCC tabled the uh, 2021 and 2023 immigration level plan. Uh, this new plan sets path uh, to a, a responsible increase in immigration uh, uh, immigration target to help Canadian economy recover from COVID-19, drive future growth, and of course create jobs for uh, uh, middle. Uh, class Canadian. As we know that um, healthcare system relies on immigrants uh, to keep Canadians safe and healthy. Uh, what I mean by that or what I'm referring uh, uh, to is that um, uh, a lot of our uh, facilities where we uh, provide care for seniors and um, healthcare aid. Um, uh, we've attract a lot of healthcare aid from other countries and and caregivers to provide uh, uh, care for our children and our elderly that are living or deciding to live home, and nurses. Other industries such as information technology, farming, uh, production and packaging, food industry, and hospitality also relies on the talent of newcomers. So the recent global, um, well, the pandemic and the global restriction and the capacity constraint, uh, it led to a shortfall of admission of newcomers. And so uh, from my experience last year and this year, well, uh, up to now, uh, we have experienced that shortfall. We have not been receiving a lot of newcomers because of those restrictions that's been uh, taking place. So to compensate for the shortfall, we need to find alternative to meet the needs. Uh, so Canada aims to welcome 1.2 million newcomers in the next three years. So as you see in that chart, uh, year 21, uh, it was 350 set for 351,000. That goes to 401,000. 
22,361, and that will move up to 411,000 and 23. That that number will jump uh, to 421,000, and that that's quite a significant increase compared to the previous plan. So. So the main focus, uh, the main focus, uh, an increase will happen, as I mentioned earlier, and 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 sixty percent uh, of that increase will happen in admission of uh, economic class. And in our next couple of slides, I will explain that to you. Uh, a significant increase will. Uh, if we go to the next slide, and we will see that. So here the, we'll give you a breakdown of where that increase is taking place. Uh, as you see in the uh, Quebec selected uh, worker in uh, business, uh, that's where uh, a significant increase will happen there as well. And also pathway to PR, those who are working in frontline during pandemic, so they will be eligible or we will create a new pathway to welcome those newcomers. So. Um, so what is included in the federal economic class? Federal uh, economic class includes, and I think our next slide will elaborate on that, but uh, let's stay on this one and, and explain a little bit. Federal high skill or in federal skill, federal business skill, economic pilot uh, and caregivers, Atlantic immigration pilot and provincial nominees. And these are all independent newcomers. Uh, they are not funded by the government. They are not receiving any incentive uh, from the government. Uh, so these are uh, highly educated, uh, internationally educated professionals that are welcome uh, coming to the country. What is included in the refugee and protection person? Um, again, if you remember, um, uh, protected person, government-assisted refugee, that's 7,000 only uh, that are coming every year. Refugee privately sponsored, refugee blended visa, and humanitarian compassionate. So let's go to the next slide, which will um, better uh, break it down for us. Uh, so overall plan of permanent residency admission, uh, as you see there, as we just uh, discussed, uh, 4,000 uh, 401,411 and 421,000. So um, in economic, as you see, the big portion of this chart or, or this table is economic class. And so the economic class is independent in newcomers. If they are uh, either on temporary basis here or permanent basis, they're economic immigrants and they have, uh, uh, they, they're not reliant on any assistance from the government aside from getting their documentation um, and uh, permission to work or, uh, or, or uh, continue their education or finding uh, employment in a field of education. So a, a, again, we'll uh, uh, go over that one more time. Uh, federal high school includes the um, um, includes the uh, federal skilled worker uh, in uh, Canadian economic class. Uh, federal business, startup visa, and these are independents uh, and newcomers. They're bringing millions and millions of dollars to the country to inject it into our economy to revitalize it. And of course, um, uh, agri-food pilot uh, project, uh, RNIP um, uh, project, 
rural and northern uh, immigration pilot project and Atlantic immigration pilot project includes in that too, because we, different province has different needs. And so we're uh, supplementing that with, uh, or immigration in Canada is supplementing that with, with new pilots. Um, uh, so as you see, the number of total uh, total economics are way higher than what we call this family class or refugees. If you, if you look at the refugee stream, uh, of course, you see a significant increase there, but that does not include the uh, it only the, the Canadian, uh, the, the refugees that are uh, reliant on the assistance of government is still against only 7000. So that's that's the overall plan. And of course, uh, you might have heard about the temporary public policy that recently been um, introduced. Um, so that will uh, that will allow 90,000 new applicants to receive PR um, uh, pathway to permanent residency. That includes, of course, uh, workers in Canada and healthcare, 20,000. And these are folks that are in frontline right now. They're working in frontline um, uh, right now during the COVID-19. Uh, and also it includes the workers in Canada essential group, which is 30,000 and recent international educated graduate graduates from the Canadian institution, 4,000. So that's not on here on this PowerPoint, but that's 90,000 newcomers uh, that will be um, receiving their PR. So um, let's go into the next slide, which we only have one minute to cover. Um, uh, do we have time? Mm, yes, sure. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So the the this explains the impact of COVID-19 on newcomers. The COVID-19 pandemic has led to a dramatic loss of human lives worldwide, not only here in, in, in our home country. Uh, it presented the unprecedented challenge on public health, food system, and of course, the world of work. Uh, the economy and social disruption caused by this pandemic is devastating and we cannot undermine that. Uh, however, uh, the the, the COVID-19 has uh, disproportionately uh, affected many racial and ethnic uh, minority group, uh, putting them at risk of getting sick, loss, uh, uh, losing jobs, or has put greater stress on their livelihood. And I've been experiencing that myself here for a, uh, on the ground firsthand. Uh, the term racial and ethnic minority groups includes uh, I would say people of color, a uh, wide variety of background and in, in different experience that includes uh, newcomers as well. So one of these uh, group that we mentioned or immigrants and newcomers, uh, most of our newcomers are still facing critical challenges in those uh, unprecedented time. Um, even within the newcomers population, uh, subgroups or different categories of newcomers uh, or affected differently or the experience um, that whole um, ordeal a little differently. At this time, it is too early to understand the full effects of uh, this recent pandemic and uh, agencies and uh, research groups are still working on collecting that data to paint the full picture of a wider effect. Uh, what, what, what I'm explaining or in this PowerPoint right now is uh, things that um, uh, is our observation and experience in dealing with challenges of newcomers. Uh, let's um, um, uh, 
so as, as I said, from those subgroups, the refugee group is hit the hardest. This group is facing multi-level barrier to cope with issues at hand. So when they're first in this country, when they arrive first, um, as you see, uh, they have very little knowledge of the system, if that is healthcare system or law uh, or, or norms. Um, uh, most of our refugees do not uh, speak language or they, they have literacy, um, lack of literacy. Um, they are new uh, to the uh, digital um, world, and so there's a lack of digital literacy as well. And uh, most of the time, if there's no pre-existing group uh, or uh, in um, established here in the community, so they're lacking that network. And of course, uh, lack of cultural understanding as well. So you are already facing barriers, multi-barriers to when, when you come to this country. And then with pandemic, you're not able to create networks. You're not able to go to school because you lack digitally, uh, digital literacy. And digital literacy is happen or you learn that at school. <laughs> and so you are not able to connect with the systems because you cannot access anything in the community. You cannot improve on your literacy because classes are now happening through um, um, now online, but you don't have digital literacy. So um, what happens to that progress, right? And next day, next uh, next slide, we'll kind of summarize it a little bit. So what is the broader effect on them? The broader effect with on 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 lack of uh, effect is the lack of support. So they are. Uh, limited to access their family that are here, that are trying to assist and in, in, in they're established, they're trying to help them. You cannot go to school, so that affects your progress because you're given one year, a refugee is given one year to, to stand on their feet when they are in the country to um, gain enough knowledge about job skills and, and, uh, uh, and gain language skills and, and uh, expand and enhance that network in the country. So that's been all hindered by the, the recent pandemic. So it affects their progress within that one year. They, they, they are not receiving the support that they need to receive uh, to be able to to be able to establish themselves. Uh, peers, uh, we have programs that are within the agency that we uh, try to connect them with with the community and, and their peers and and um, uh, volunteers. Uh, it, 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 that whole thing is like a circle. So it's a domino effect. So if you cannot have access to one and you cannot have access to, to the rest of that. So I think uh, I'm going to stop there. Uh, we went four minutes. Uh, um, you need to stop me, otherwise I will just continue <laughs> with. Uh, uh, as you see, what we've done here is we kind of uh, compact this whole thing into one little um, information session. So if you have any question, I'll try to, um, I will try to um, answer it to the best of my ability. If not, at least I will ask and say, I will refer you to Immigration Refugee Citizenship Canada to answer some of those questions. Excellent. Wow. Amazing job to compact that all into 34 minutes. Well done. Um, I'll start right away with the queue, the question queue. Our first question comes from Knut Peterson. Many thanks for your interesting talk. Can you please touch upon 
how temporary foreign workers fit into Canada's immigration plans and if TFWs have good opportunities to become permanent residents. Um, a, earlier I mentioned um, that um, I mentioned that um, Canada is creating pathway to PR for those who are working in frontline during pandemic. So a temporary foreign workers um, uh, project started as a pilot project, of, uh, I would say at least 10 years ago that, that I have been in the industry. It had it, it, its ups and downs, but again, um, our policies and in, in immigration policies are all driven. Um, Canadian immigration policies are designed to attract more uh, skilled uh, worker that are uh, of, of, of that class or temporary foreign workers um, uh, to um, to improve the Canadian economy. So um, it's it's driven by needs if there is no needs we will not see um, the 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 temporary foreign worker program um, in some provinces um, I'm going back to the provinces the, the the program is really driven by provinces and the needs in those provinces so if I will I will summarize and say if there is no need there will be no program so uh, so as long as we have that need to offset the needs uh, uh, or shortage of labor, we'll still have that, um, 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 uh, the program will continue. Okay, um, our next question comes from Ian Hurdle. Interprovincial barriers for professional and trade qualifications are not easy for Canadians. How can we make it easier for qualified immigrants to have their credentials recognized and integrated? Can you repeat that one more time, please? Yeah. Um, oops, sorry. Ian Hurdle. Interprovincial barriers for profession. So, inter Ian Hurdle. Interprofessional yeah. barriers for professional and trade qualifications are not easy for Canadians. How can we make it easier for qualified immigrants to have their credentials recognized and integrated? Yeah. Um, we we recently have uh, uh, been successful to um, uh, get fundings for a program that is assisting internationally educated professionals. Um, again, our labor force is um, uh, we don't have one agency that regulates um, uh, the, the the international educated professional field or or the, the field of expertise. Um, of course, that is there for a reason, uh, for international educated professional to, to meet those qualifications, but sometimes we find it really uh, hard or tough uh, for uh, really qualified talents that, that we need, we can deploy uh, into our market today, but they are faced with those barriers for two to three years or sometimes five years to get their credential. Uh, we've been working with um, um, IRCC on this and, uh, um, and, and, and of course we are working with, with the province as well. Uh, but, but those sectors are, um, are regulated 
not by only province or, or federal agencies. They are uh, regulated by the sector itself. So each sector has their own needs and their own criteria or uh, eligibility. Um, I, I don't have an easy answer. We've always faced the barrier of, um, of um, uh, getting our international educated professional um, education accredited or at least get the equivalent of uh, what they deserve. Um, but having said that, it, it is doable. Uh, it is doable, and I believe uh, those uh, uh, those the barriers that I mentioned are there in place for a reason uh, to meet the credential and meet the Canadian standards. Uh, but in some cases, it's really um, a hideous process. I don't have any other words for it. Um, I wish there was one agency that we could deal with. Uh, we were talking about uh, uh, industries that are um, that are um, regulated. Uh, wide variety of of, of agencies, what, what are called fields, are regulated. So it's not one agency to work with. It's not one group to work with. So. Um, and most of those agencies are recognizing or uh, bodies are recognizing that um, in finding ways to uh, make that process easier. And we've been successful to work with OPEGA, the engineering bodies and the uh, body of um, uh, physicians and, and healthcare providers. So the work is in progress. It's, 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 there's no easy answer. And we've been dealing with this for many, many years. And so, but but the good thing is that uh, agencies, um, the government is realizing that that the, the process is long and the process is uh, uh, complex and multi-level. Uh, they are um, providing the fundings and providing the the services uh, through pre-existing agency like ours to to provide that program, provide the support to lead and guide internationally educated professionals through the through the process okay our next question comes from ian hurdle oh no i just read that sorry mark goodall could you say a little bit about the dilemma of those illegal border crossers and why we would not allow them to declare refugee status at proper border crossings instead That is about my jurisdiction, the answer to this question. <laughs> um, I will refer um, um, the, the person who had that question uh, to, to IRCC, and uh, they have, or I can share resources with you um, uh, around the policy uh, for border crossing, because we have um, different agreements with um, in North America between United States and Canada and Mexico. And so um, um, it used to be NAFTA, but uh, it's been recently changed by the administration. So under those regulation and policy, uh, there are uh, agreements uh, between the, the two, two countries. So again, I will uh, be willing to and share resources with you through um, um, analysts to, to share that with you. Uh, to answer the question. Okay, our next question comes from Henning Mandel. Under what conditions can international students become permanent residents in Canada? Under what condition? Um, first, uh, they have to complete their education in, in, in the country. And 
second, they have to, um, um, the criteria is that they have to um, um, secure um, or work in that field if their field of expertise, field of, field of education for, um, there is a criteria, so many years or so many hours and so forth and so on. And once that eligibility criteria is met, they will be applying for permanent pathway to permanent residency. Uh, that is a, a topic uh, on its own. And uh, for these categories and eligibility, again, um, so you you have to complete the education in the country. Second, you have to uh, secure a job within that field uh, of, of, of education or expertise. Uh, third, you apply. And there's numbering system or um, uh, and you have to meet that uh, qualification to to get um, invitation to apply for permanent residency. Our next question comes from Laurie Schultz. Does the level of support, financial, language, etc., provided provided to immigrants vary depending on their path to coming to Canada? Yes. Yes. Um, um, if if we go back to different categories, newcomers and immigrants, um, if you're coming under the pathway of uh, economic skills, that you are um, required to support yourself for a duration or period of time uh, to be able to secure a job uh, or have uh, financial means in the country. Um, but services eligibility, eligibility for service is... Uh, not different at all. Um, well, I shouldn't say different, but with for refugee stream, um, they they get more hands-on assistance and they get uh, financial assistance for a short period of time, which is only one year. Uh, so within that one year, while they're receiving uh, the assistance for food, shelter, and incidental. Um, they will be working with agency to avail themselves for uh, jobs that are available and avail themselves to learn, um, you know, acquire language uh, proficiencies. Uh, and, and so once they're ready by the end of the year, uh, a good percent of them, they will be uh, moving uh, towards that path of independency. Uh, but services uh, that are offered uh, through settlement agency that are funded by IRCC, they are free of cost and there's uh, no eligibility criteria. As, as, as long as you are a permanent resident, you're holding that uh, status of permanent residency, um, the level of service is or access to the service is the same. Okay. Our next question comes from Trevor Page. Approximately how many complaints of racism have you received from the refugee community in Lethbridge? And what action do you take on these complaints? Um, we, we, um, we do receive uh, complaints and um, it, uh, not a lot of complaints, I would say. Most of those complaints happen or... or um, it, anything to do with racialized um, complaints, then it happens in workplaces uh, that we where we um, place uh, our newcomers um, into entry level jobs or um, um, 
or from their peers at work and so forth. So how do we address it? The address is usually uh, we directly uh, through the employer, if we can. Also, we are uh, uh, working with the city um, as, as well. Uh, we're part of their um, uh, committee um, uh, on racial and discrimination in in the in the um, community, we also are working with uh, with the local uh, police services uh, as well to address um, um, to address that. Uh, we also uh, have a, a a complete different department that is dealing on on that level. Um, I wish I had a specific answer, but uh, we're we are either directly dealing with uh, where the um, um, uh, the incident happens um, on the community level. We deal with the city and um, um, through our partners and through our uh, stakeholders in the community. We're part of the committees that that are dealing with those matters, and also we're dealing with the uh, local uh, police services as well. Okay, our next question comes from Ivan Gomez. Um, hi, I have a few questions. Where can I see the networking volunteer and job opportunities that you post? I, they use the word pretend, but I'm assuming they mean the word intent. So I'm gonna read it as intent. I intend to arrive in Canada this August at Lethbridge to be specific. Yeah, um, so I'm assuming this person is outside the country and they're trying to move to the country. Am I correct? Okay. It, so, it seems like that, yes. Yes. Yep. So um, my, uh, we, uh, we are the only settlement agency aside from flexibility, flexibility learning system that are, are assisting or providing um, uh, employment services for different category of newcomers and, and of course, uh, language skills. Uh, so those networking opportunities are uh, within our agency. Actually, I manage the, the team and I manage the program. So um, find Lethbridge Family Services and um, and if you call that number um, or go to our website, um, lfs.ca, um, there will be a contact number or contact person uh, to connect with, and they will uh, guide you through there. Okay, I've just put your first slide up for them so that they can see that slide with your yeah. number, um, or at least your name, yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, next question comes from Mark Goodall. Um, I guess um, this is a repeat of the first question, but I, I don't think Mark and Knut feel that you addressed it in the way that they, they wanted more information, I guess. So how easy is it for temporary foreign workers to apply for permanent residency? Um. It's the, the province to province it differs, uh, but uh, um, the criteria are set by Immigration Refugee Citizenship Canada. So once you are within the country or you're com uh, complying with the requirement uh, of your status at the time as a temporary, that you have to work certain 
certain um, um, hours or certain um, a, a period of time, a year, a year and a half or two. Um, so uh, different industries, uh, they have uh, a slightly different requirement for eligibility to apply for PR. Um, if um, it, it's not it's not complicated, but it is a process. And um, I would say tackling that um, process on your own, I would not recommend it. Uh, and if you have a friend or someone else to uh, that are applying for those pathways to permanent residency through TFW, uh, I will encourage them to seek the assistance of um, uh, settlement agency like ours. We have program that is funded by uh, government of Alberta that will assist with TFW and and, and um, uh, their eligibility criteria and guiding them through that pathway to um, apply for PR uh, or uh, uh, immigration lawyers and immigration consultant. Um, it it is it is doable, but it's uh, it's a multi level process. So. Um, to me, it's easy. To me, it's easy. But for someone who has uh, never been in the industry uh, or, or uh, sector, have never dealt with the application, never dealt with the uh, government policies, uh, I would find it hard. So um, secondhand, second opinion or uh, reaching out to assistance. Okay. Our next question comes from Laurie Schuld. With respect to IQAS, what level of government has jurisdiction over the assessment? How much does an IQAS assessment cost? Yeah, um, IQAS is, um, they have two different categories. Um, uh, one is either you want to uh, apply and, and get the uh, equivalency of your education, or there is a uh, one, uh, other stream that um, uh, is required by the employer, the employer will ask the applicant uh, or, or the employee to get that prior to the, them get hired. Uh, there is also Westworld uh, um, Education Services. Uh, they are de also dealing with um, um, internationally educated professionals uh, before coming to the country. So they will... Um, uh, most of the time, applicants are required to submit their credentials uh, to the agency, and they will be accredited before, because that is a requirement for the uh, application itself. So, um, um, it's the IQAS is between two to three hundred dollars. I don't, really, uh, I haven't, I haven't had a recent experience with them, but. Um, uh, so is West. They're they're not expensive. Uh, once you are uh, getting your accreditation from, um, once you're getting your accreditation uh, from um, the regulatory body or following the regulatory body process, uh, that's where the cost is high. Uh, to actually um, um, certify education or uh, get uh, accreditation of that. It's it's not it's not well if you don't have uh, the funds or the means you three four hundred dollars to five hundred dollars is a lot of uh, uh, money, uh, but the accrediting body uh, their requirement is uh, complex, and and that's where 
if if applicants are asked to uh, either upgrade or uh, supplement uh, some area of their education, uh, then of course that's where the cost will incur most of the time. Um, yeah. Okay. Our next question comes from Knut Peterson. Are you aware whether or not the refugee flow to Canada from the U.S. has slowed down since Joe Biden became president? I am not aware of that. No, oh, okay. uh, the ref yeah the refugees uh, the refugees that we're dealing with or we're receiving is uh, they are directly distant to Lethbridge through UNHCR through IRCC uh, to a final destination. So um, if you uh, asylum seeker, we do have a program for them. Um, uh, but uh, Manitoba and Saskatchewan or may, the provinces that are actually dealing with the flow. Uh, but uh, no, I, I, I don't have the recent numbers if, if, or stats if they have increased or decreased. Um, again, I can find out find that information and share it with you if you need to. Okay. Um, our next question comes from Bridge City News. In your opinion, do you think the immigration level plan is enough to help out immigrants coming into the country? And how will that impact Leftbridge Family Services going forward? Um, if it is enough, uh, I would say that will be to IRCC because they're working uh, based on stats and based on needs of different communities or um, allocating resources to a different uh, category of immigrants. Um, to, to offset uh, the shortage, recent shortage, uh, I, I think it's the appropriate uh, step uh, in the next couple of years because uh, um, we are, uh, most of our industry are, are reliant on um, on the, the, the skills that we're attracting from overseas. Um, the effects will be is um, um, we are always in communication with our funders and, and uh, they, they share information with us and stats and the flow of newcomers to different jurisdictions. So, um, um, we were hoping that we will be uh, ready for the flow of newcomers in, in, in upcoming years. And we do recognize the needs for different categories. And we're adding services uh, to meet that need and that gap within the community. Um, so um, we, we, are, we have the resources to deal with that new flow um, uh, currently. Uh, again, um, um, we are always in communication with the funders um, if if we are seeing something coming down the pipe pipe and uh, we're always in open communication with them uh, that, that that will affect our services or level of services okay our last question today comes from beth mundell at what point are immigrants covered by canada's healthcare system if not immediate upon arrival who pays for their health care um, the, the categories that we mentioned, um, uh, in our first portion of the, um, session, uh, as, as if you're a permanent resident, um, uh, you enter those categories, uh, uh you're, uh, automatically, um, 
covered under the healthcare system. If you are asylum seekers, um, um, a, a refugee that are crossing through the borders, they will receive um, uh, interim federal health, a temporary health um, coverage that is covered by the federal government uh, for duration of their um, um, application process. And once they become permanent residency or if they receive confirmation of permanent residency, uh, they will be eligible to apply for provincial health care. Okay, that was all our questions in the queue. Before we end the live stream, um, do you have a take-home message for our viewers, please? Um, yes. Um, um, what communities um, uh, have to come together. It's not only a job of an agency to settle newcomers. It's not a job of a group of people to settle uh, newcomers. Uh, immigration is not too new to our country. And how do we uh, create inclusive and welcoming uh, communities to 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 welcome newcomers um, by isolating them or um, alienating them will not help um, either them or our communities. So. Um, I always, in the community, I seek the support of community. Without the support of community, we will not be able to successfully settle newcomers. Um, if we have needs, if if if, if our government is uh, telling us that there it, there is a need, why need for um, to 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 fill the shortage of uh, uh, of labor in our communities? Uh, then we do need uh, newcomers and, and, and uh, um, immigrants. Uh, so to better settle them is to, to, to welcome them, to, to uh, guide them, show them, teach them, um, help them through the process. Um, always small action that will have a large effect on newcomers is become a friend of a newcomers um, uh, get to know them uh, uh, show them culture community your customs uh, share a few words of english with them um, um, invite them to your home newcomers are always welcome to uh, welcome uh, uh, um, Welcome, we'll welcome you to their homes. Uh, so take advantage of that opportunities and, and become a friend of uh, a newcomers. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us on behalf of SACPA. There's also many thank yous in the queue uh, from Ivan Gomez, from Laurie Schultz, Beth Mandel, Knut Peterson, all thank you very much. This is critical thank work. You. Yes, so lots of appreciation out in the queue for your presentation today. And for folks who are listening in, please join us next Monday for at 10 o'clock for a special session that we're having with Tara Lynn Fox and Elder Keith Chief Moon on the deadly effects of residential schools in Canada. How is that remediable? And then on Thursday, on our regular session at uh, 
10, an educator's perspective on Alberta's proposed draft curriculum with Ken Rogers and Kelly Frewen. So we have lots coming up next week and we hope you will join us. Thank you for having me. And um, uh, I apologize, we had uh, time constraints and we put everything into half an hour and um, and I will make any effort if you have any further questions, I will uh, try to answer it if it was, uh, um, we only had half an hour to answer questions. And um, I, if, if you feel or wish to um, connect with um, analysts and send you questions, I'll be willing to answer it further. Thank you for having me.